0: Beneath knowing, understanding, beneath understanding, seeing, beneath seeing, recognizing, beneath recognizing, knowing. welcome you to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestreet. And I'm Ryan Mazzacco. Ryan, tonight we have an interesting story that we're going to consider. Mm-hmm. It's Belly of the Beast.
1: Man, I've been looking forward to this.
0: Really? Why's that? Because I got some stories to tell. Really?
1: Yeah, um, actually stories uh, that go back for generations in my family. Uh, my, my great-grandfather always used to tell the story of when uh, he'd received some sort of uh, a, a missionary assignment. But instead, he took off the other way. He ended up uh, getting swallowed by a whale, and he spent three, I think, three days inside the belly of this... Wait, hold
0: on, Ryan. Right, wait. This is your great-grandfather's story? Yeah, it ties in.
1: Don't you see how it ties in, though?
0: Yeah, I I get the theme, but uh, I think you're just quoting the Book of Jonah. Is it? Yeah, pretty sure it is. Tell you what, did he have any other stories? Uh, yeah, could, re- could could you relate one of those? Yeah, yeah. There was also um, another whale um, that he was he
1: had been chasing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, he named it something Mobius. No, not, not, that's that's from Andromeda. M- Moby Moby. Mo- yeah, Moby Dick. Moby Dick. Yeah. Uh, he was chasing his whale around um, forever, trying to catch this thing. Was it white? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did, did it, I, have I told you this story before? Did, did 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 your grandfather obsess over it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, that was totally Moby Dick.
1: Yeah, that's what he called it. Yeah.
0: No, no, no. Literature. Huh? The the, the literary work, Moby what Dick. You mean like a book? Yes. You're you're literally just quoting that story. Ah. Uh,
1: man. I feel like I've been lied to my whole life. Feel like? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you were. Oh. well that's too bad oh well you know what what's that i'm not the only one that's guilty of plagiarism what do you mean we will talk
0: about it later anyway episode 41 belly of the beast so ryan Mm -hmm. how are we going to get me into some trivia
1: well what we can do is you can ask me that question and then i'll say hey ethan you have some trivia
0: for us i do have some trivia and then i'll throw it to you all right. So by way of trivia and some fun facts, we've got uh, just a few of them here. Uh, this story was written by Matt Keene and Joe Rankmeyer. Uh, w- the episode was actually directed by Alan Harmon, and he has one previous credit uh, as far as director- directing, and that came in season one with the episode All Great Neptune's Ocean.
1: Oh, yeah. So w-
0: we really keep coming back to All Great Neptune's Ocean somehow in our discussions, because wasn't it the last episode where it was actually written? That one episode <laughs> was the same episode that the uh, the previous uh, episode's writer. I, I distinctly remember us talking about that. Yeah, I wouldn't
1: that. think it would have had that many, many tie-ins.
0: But, well, yeah. it does, apparently. And isn't it appropriate? Here we're talking about Belly of the Beast, and we're talking about the ocean again. Uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's all <laughs> meta in there somewhere. Uh, in any case, uh, Alan Harmon will return in Seasons 3 and 4 for some additional episodes that he will direct as well. No guests for this evening, so I wanted to take just a second and kind of draw attention to the visual effects team okay. that works on Andromeda. Now, Ryan, did you notice any visual effects for this particular episode? Uh, no, no visual effects. <laughs> None. Liar. Oh. Just like your great-grandfather. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, the... This episode, and actually several now leading up here toward the, uh, the end of the season, uh, have got a lot of visual effects in these episodes with uh, the Cetus, Cetus uh, in this particular episode. You're telling me the Cetus was not real? Uh, no. No, it was, it was completely uh, either CG and perhaps with a little bit of model making. But huh. uh, yeah, that was... The... In, in any case, uh, the visual effects team for Andromeda at this time is Jeff Anderson, Jim Finn, Robert Biaggi, uh, and and Tom Tennesco. Now these guys were all uh, on this team uh, when they were nominated for a 2002 Gemini Award for Best Visual Effects. Can
1: you, I'm sorry, I just every time I ask you to please say Trans <laughs> Gemini Award.
0: Trans Gemini Award. No, no, Gemini Award is an actual thing. Oh, so okay. we have to, we have to. Uh, Abide by that. Um, This is also these same crew members were involved with a much larger group that was around when they were nominated and then won a Leo Award in 2001 for season the work on season one of Andromeda. So this is an award winning group of visual effects guys. So I just wanted to kind of bring attention to that. Additionally, in 2002, they were nominated for the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. Uh, for their award, and also they were a Saturn Award nominee for Best Syndicated Cable Television Series. Their, their visual effects group.
1: Does every star sign have its own award? Pretty much. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, just just I'm just trying to drive home the point that this is uh, a, an award-winning mm-hmm. and, and recognized visual effects group, and I just wanted to bring yeah. their names out um, because these are the guys directly involved with this episode. Uh, which had a lot of a lot of graphics, a lot of visual effects. Oh, I, I do have to mention the word "cetus." Cetus uh, is the Latin for the word whale. So, thus the Moby Dick and ah. Jonah references that we were dropping there early on. So, uh, that's it for fun facts. Okay, Ryan. Yeah. Why don't you do a, a summary? All right. Whenever you decide to get around to it. Sure.
1: Dill and Trance go off to Savion in Amaro to assure its inhabitants that the impending doom they are awaiting is an ancient myth and is not going to happen. What is this? The Cetus, a massive, mythical space-dwelling creature that returns every 6,270 years to take a bite out of their planet, and it's expected to take the last bite in the coming days. How absurd. That could never happen but the rest of the crew is going to go ahead and be on the lookout for this thing, which lies well beyond the realm of possibility. Sensors detect... some... thing. It's the Cetus. It's real. And so was the thing on the wing. The Andromeda gets in front of the giant beast. Not too close. Yeah, a little too close, and it swallows the entire ship. With the Andromeda and the Maru being out of real-time space communication range, it takes about 90 minutes round trip. This is just barely enough time for Dylan to get the message that the Andromeda is in trouble. They double back to come to the heroic rescue. Aboard the Andromeda, there's much discussion ranging from saving themselves and letting the Cetus go on to eat Savion, or destroying the Cetus and possibly themselves in the process, or just talk too long and let the Cetus digest them. In heroic fashion, Dylan flies dangerously close to the Cetus and unloads the Maru's proton storage tanks, damaging the Cetus, and plans to next ram the Maru into the Cetus and eject the Slipstream core, which would finish it off, but would also surely mean his death. After much deliberation, the Andromeda crew decide to take the more risky course of action and eject their own Slipstream drive into the Cetus, killing it and counting on Beckett to ride the wave to safety. Dylan aborts his suicide mission and rejoins the crew on the Andromeda just in time for the spring formal. And now, let's dance. The end.
0: Wow, that was a riveting summary. Thank you. I appreciate that. I worked on it for about four weeks. Did you? Mm -hmm. Is that why the... Okay, that explains the delay here then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, that was really a masterpiece. Thank you. Thank you. It was your magnum opus. Wow. Uh, One thing I'd like to, to just point out to begin with here um perhaps you felt this way okay i don't know for sure but i'm just gonna throw it out there let me know if this is the way you felt too watching harper dance is painful okay agree or disagree
1: oh yes i agree okay (laughs) and
0: x gets the square (laughs) (laughs) oh that's an excellent throwback (laughs) reference i like that was that a Hollywood Square? Yeah. Yes, yeah. it was. Yes, yeah. You it know, was. I was
1: going to save that till later, but since you br- since you brought it up already, I just wanted to go ahead and announce that Dylan and Trance are the winners of the annual Andromeda Commonwealth Reunification Dance-Off.
0: There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, glad it went to them. They yeah. deserved, they worked hard for that. They did. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Stoic one, close. He he made a run there.
1: Oh man! If he would have just you know moved a little bit,
0: <laughs> bent at the hip mm-hmm. perhaps yeah. or a knee,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I I don't I didn't see the enthusiasm really. Okay, I think that was the problem.
0: All right. Well, before we get to talking about that whole situation, yeah. which we are going to come back to. We're go- there's more. There's more to talk about. <laughs> All, in right. That. All right. All uh, right. We'll get back to that though. What's another observation?
1: Uh, you know what? I there was a very serious scientific inaccuracy that i found and these kind of things you know these bother me Mm -hmm. yes they're talking about the cetus and how it's supposed to be just some myth it's not real just like all these other things um they mention several different things some of them that we know of some of them are made up things uh fictional things from other fictional planets um but what they don't know yet and Maybe it's just because the writing was too far in the past, thinking too far in the future. Um, it, I mean, Bigfoot's real.
0: Big hand? No, Bigfoot. Big hand.
1: No, Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, I I thought it was refreshing that they went ahead and threw it in, Bigfoot, in with the pantheon of mythical creatures. Except That just that- proves the fact that 3,000 years from now, it is a mythical pre- creature. It did no, not exist.
1: they're just still getting it wrong 3,000 years we could, from now.
0: We could really have an argument about this. We
1: really And could. that's the
0: sad thing about it. <laughs> but alas, we don't have time for the Bigfoot discussion.
1: I'm just saying I don't not believe. Right.
0: Now, talking about scientific inaccuracies. Oh. Um, I, I think there was an inaccuracy within the show itself. And maybe this was part of maybe improper communication to the visual effects crew maybe (laughs) i don't know but did you notice how many appendages or prongs that the cetus had when it folded those out there oh what maybe four or five there's five okay okay five prongs how many gouges were in the planet surface four yeah
1: that you're indicating
0: me indicating to me with
1: the show of four fingers (laughs) um I was given to understand that each one of those from a, was from a different time that he came. Okay. I've assigned gender to the scene. Somehow some you have, yes. Yeah.
0: Um, it
1: seems like a guy it, to me. Like a
0: guy. Well, eat a planet. That's sure. a guy yeah. thing to do. Yeah. yeah, well. Ruin a planet. It's usually, a guy thing
1: Usually to do. have more of a hearty appetite than the, than the, the, the female folk.
0: Not necessarily. Well, okay. This is another discussion we could get going okay. on. But let's, bygones, let's leave that aside. Um, okay. Granted. Mm-hmm. Uh, each gouge representing a different visit. So why is this visit going to take out the rest of the planet? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I'm i with you there. I had a problem with that, too. Okay. okay.
0: I wasn't the only one then. Yeah,
1: because, yeah, you're right. It's like each one of them just takes out a nice big old slice. Yeah, why is this one going... It, it, but I wonder, does that mean that it's going to actually devour the entire physical planet? Or just that it... That this time around is going to be the final blow that's going to end all life on the planet. Yeah. It's like this is the asteroid that that killed the dinosaurs. Well,
0: somehow I get the impression this is the Cetus. It's like visiting the fridge late at night when there's a pie. Right. It takes a bite out of the side, turns the pie, another bite out of the side, and turns the pie, another bite out of the side. Well, now, we may as well just finish this whole thing up. (laughs)
1: Okay. So
0: maybe this is the visit where it's going to finish off the whole thing.
1: Okay. So it's just been kind of snacking.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these okay. previous visits every 6,000 so many years. Yeah,
1: what is what was 6,270 years?
0: Gee, something like that. Um oh, it, it, okay. Why that why the cycle? It, it is is my my question also.
1: What okay. what it, maybe it's caught in a uh a uh gravitational orbit like a comet.
0: That's an interesting theory. And yet, it attacks the Andromeda. I mean, it's it's able to propel itself. So, I, uh, is it because they got in front of it? <laughs> that is true. Yeah, they just kind of position themselves right it was there in like, front of the It was
1: like, oh, three more days till I get to that planet <laughs> to eat. Oh, hey, look, <laughs> there's a snack that just dropped
0: right in my lap. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's an interesting thought on the the, the orbit. I guess there are comets that do the same thing, have uh, long orbits like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow, that's a lonely existence. A lonely and very hungry existence.
1: 6,270 years, I just fact-checked.
0: Okay, excellent. Um, Okay.
1: Yeah, but he's a space creature. What else does he have to
0: do? (laughs) (laughs) Not much of anything.
1: Does he go around to other planets?
0: I wonder that's what I'm that's what I'm wondering you know it, you know what we're gonna leave that I'm not gonna the, bring up the y-
1: this is this is a discussion for later if it's a discussion at all
0: okay yeah 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 th- this is more of a what did we learn about the universe I think so type yeah. Discussion. okay yeah we'll come back to that
1: okay Um. so Becca finally asked the question that we've been asking for the last
0: almost two seasons what's that when are we going to get seat belts? yes i have that written down here uh yeah that's glad somebody finally vocalized that (laughs) because this is something that we have talked about right and and for the safety of the crew Mm -hmm. absolutely this needs to be done right five point harness yeah no less than five point harnesses Mm -hmm. in every command station
1: right you know the thing is though sometimes these attacks come by surprise are they just supposed to be in their five point harness
0: at all times? <laughs> well, you know, there's an interesting thing about the command uh deck deck
1: mm-hmm.
0: in that there's really not a seat for any of those stations. They're all standing.
1: Yeah, so they really can't be seat
0: belts because right. there are no seats. Right. Right. Okay. Um well, I, I think the times when we have discussed it, it's been on the Maru yeah. in particular. Yeah. And I guess there is a, a harness of some sort for the pilot.
1: Yeah, that they, we that we uh, have even seen. on the Andromeda they wear a harness when they're navigating slipstream.
0: True. Nobody else is nobody, <laughs> right? Which we've had that discussion mm-hmm. too. Uh, yes, great to vocalize it. There's still they need to hire a Commonwealth um, safety inspection crew or whatever it is. So have a con- uh, a consultation, right? And and figure out how to make that that. Uh, work environment a bit more safe. They need to contact Commonwealth OSHA. Yeah. Right. You took the words out
1: of my mouth. Okay. <laughs> Sorry.
0: No, that's okay. Uh, we had a that moment. Did we? Yes, Ryan. Okay. That moment mm-hmm. when you put your feet up on the campfire ring for just for just a few minutes too long. Yeah. That's what Harper experienced when he jumped into jump jump right. through the, the door into the room with all of the gastric juices spooling right. on the floor right you saw his uh boots kind of uh uh-huh. <laughs> disintegrating there and i thought hey that's exactly what's happened to me when i put prop my foot up on the campfire ring mm-hmm. uh the, the shoe just starts to meld <laughs> right into the campfire ring i've been in that situation oh
1: that brings back wonderful memories mm-hmm.
0: uh
1: speaking of fire one thing I thought was interesting was the uh, advancement in fire extinguisher technology in the next 3,000
0: years. Yeah. That's really something. You're talking about when tears walking around in the command deck? Or yeah. What's left of the command deck? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it's basically How big was like. That thing? I don't know. It, it, it is like a little tank inside a gun. Yeah. that That's really something. Yeah. If nothing else, it looks cool. It does look cool. The question I have, though, why did he just put out the one fire? <laughs> Yeah, When there's still fires all around. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we got the big one that's right in the center of the shot, and it's right in the center of the frame. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's good. Let's
0: let's leave the rest for we're, we're done. Perfect, we're yeah. done. It's it's not like fire on a spaceship is that big of a deal? I you don't know? think so. <laughs> Apparently not. Like,
1: like fire on a
0: submarine, not a big deal. Not a big deal. Yeah. Don't don't concern yourself. Right. Uh, tear is a bad influence, though well yeah um the the moment where he's his solution is and i quote copious explosions okay (laughs) um this kind of couples with another observation that i had which i'll get to in a second but i mean Etir is pressuring becca into doing things his way which obviously his way is copious explosions Mm -hmm. sure um and in this case, it's to the detriment of the ship and almost everyone on board. Yeah. Just, just yeah. saying. Becca is a strong woman. And yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. But nobody said, no, Here, that's a bad idea.
0: And, and why not? Why was that not ever said? Because I mean-
1: it's a bad idea in hindsight.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: After he did it, then everyone was like, yeah, that was a bad idea. <laughs> Yeah, especially Harper, who was not taking the situation very well.
0: Yeah, I, I just I thought it was interesting. And maybe this is more for for character discussion. But I thought it was interesting just how Tier kind of when Dylan's not around, just really bulldozes his way into whatever he wants to do. Well, yeah, of course he is. Yeah. yeah. But I thought we had established at this point that Becca was Becca was in command. I think everyone on that ship recognized Becca is in command. She has the final say. She and I does, guess he did. She, yeah. He did wait until she said, all right. But he's sitting there mm-hmm. <laughs> tapping, 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 right. making it like a five-year-old <laughs> begging for candy or right. chocolate milk or whatever, you know, just wears you down. Oh, well, that's our tear. We kind of have an interesting uh, moment. Speaking of tear.
1: Um, he talks about his faith in Dylan. Uh, we know from past episodes and things that he said that he admires Dylan as a survivor. I thought it was very interesting though. This week he says that when the entire universe has completely collapsed and there's nothing left, there will only be three things. Mm -hmm. Tear Anasazi, cockroaches, and Dylan Hunt trying to save the cockroaches.
0: Which was a fantastic line. It
1: is funny. Yeah. Until you think about it, that means that Tyr must be the one trying to kill the cockroaches. <laughs> yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So they're always going to be at odds, Tier and Dylan.
1: Yeah, they, they sure are. I wonder what he has against the cockroaches. Because you know at that point, they're going to be the only source of protein. But they're cockroaches.
0: I hate cockroaches.
1: Well, I do too. But if there's nothing left... You would not have been
0: successful on Fear Factor. I would not. Yeah. I would not. I, w- I would have walked away. hmm Hated that show. Well, yeah. Coming back around to me, I, you know I'm always on the lookout for great T-shirt ideas. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So what was it uh, a decade ago? You had the WWJD. Yeah. I, we need to have Andromeda shirts printed. Okay. WWDD. Right. What would Dylan do? Mm-hmm. Cuz that was a question we pretty much heard throughout the en- woven throughout the entire episode. Right.
1: Well, even Dylan said it. That's what I would do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. What would Dylan do? Well, just listen to him. He's mm-hmm. telling you. He's right. telling you exactly what he'll do. Which the Andromeda did not do what Dylan would have done. <laughs> right. They did not stay four light seconds he away from really the really thought the that
1: that they would have though.
0: They should have. Yeah. In hindsight.
1: Um actually uh, I had to to re-examine that because I thought that they were staying four light seconds away. And when I'm watching that, I'm thinking either the Andromeda and the Cetus are really, really huge or they don't (laughs) have the scale right on here. Yeah. Uh, Um, one more, another scientific inaccuracy that I, that I found, I just, I know I'm being picky, but I feel that I have to point this out. Uh, they're talking about how this thing, um, eats and digests, it eats matter, converts it into energy, right? Mm-hmm. Trance says, you know, comparing it to ourselves as humans or as people, um, we don't eat matter, we eat food.
0: Uh, hey, hey,
1: here's a throwback to Bill Nye, the science guy. Ask me, what's the matter, Bill?
0: What's the matter? Everything. <laughs> Everything's matter. Everything's matter. Right. Yes. Yeah, um, including the food that we eat. Am I wrong? Even if we were to eat cockroaches, we're just eating matter.
1: It is. It is. It's cockroach matter. Yeah. But yes. But it is protein. (laughs) Protein is matter.
0: (laughs) Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of inaccuracy. I realize what they're they're trying
1: to do there, set up the whole antimatter thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we still eat matter.
0: Good point. Anything can be food. And we hope you all learned something by that (laughs) observation. Uh, I understand that we're getting down toward the end of the episode and we're building tension and, you know, getting short on time. Mm -hmm. But please tell me that the eject slipstream core button isn't that easy to access (laughs) and hit and then dump your entire engine mm-hmm. out of your ship seems like something you could
1: hit accidentally very easily yeah. I, it,
0: it's there's got to be a window somewhere that pops up and says do you really want to do this right <laughs> yes no mm-hmm. but no man he hits that button and it's gone yeah and that seems like a you know the it's, it's right there mm. right there you could just slip yeah and suddenly your day is ruined I, you, there or, does, or rather harper's day is ruined yeah
1: there does need to be some kind of fail safe i think but you know you know, some of the times these like these two key systems, it's like there's there's a lot going on. You got to enter in all these codes and stuff. What if you just don't have the time? Say you're in a situation and you decide, okay, we only have ten seconds left, and I got to eject the slipstream core.
0: True. You're I don't
1: right. I don't have time for for both of these guys to turn a key or to to rattle off this really long code. You know. Okay. Well, we, that's, we just got to push the
0: green button. That's fine. But, yeah. but put a cover over it or something that you have to move out of the way. No time. No time.
1: <laughs> no time.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, okay. So, say Dylan's flying around in Slipstream one day just because, you know, it's an enjoyable trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, what if he hits the, the... Going for the button next to it. Yeah. But Slipstream throws him a little bit of a jounce. And, oh, oh, now we have no, well, are no you core. Is he
1: in Slipstream when that happens? I guess, yeah. Okay, well, then... Everything in Slipstream is just very intuitive. So the Slipstream would know that he meant to push the other button. <laughs> so that's not going to happen.
0: That's some creative writing right there. That's some creative mm-hmm. creative engineering. Okay. Anyway, moving on.
1: Um, so Rami borrows holograms. Huh? Rami borrows holograms. I missed this. It was weird. Okay. The hologram appears there in the uh, tube for, for Harper. Yeah. Okay. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. in the Commonwealth uniform. Mm-hmm. In the High Guard uniform. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. addresses her as Andromeda, and she says, oh, no, and then she kind of shakes her head, changes her outfit. It's it's me, Rami. I'm borrowing a hologram.
0: Yeah. Like there's a finite amount of them? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. And... We we know that Rami is the the android version mm-hmm. of Andromeda. Mm-hmm. We also have the on-screen persona and the hologram version of her. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be three separate but the same. Kind of getting into some scary waters there. Um, they're all, they're all part of the same system, but speaking of mythologies, yeah, I'm but they're <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Um, they're, they're three, they're all part of the same system, incorporated into the same system, but they're three distinct personalities, right? Apparently. So then how does the android Rami take over the hologram Rami and use her for her own purposes? I don't know. Is this a thing she can do anytime she wants?
0: In thinking about the scene and, and the description of it, it, it's gotta be a spinoff of like the Matrix type deal. Okay. Where the, the, the the attendants, whatever they are. Okay. Mr. Smith, you know, they, they can take over whatever hologram is functioning. They just co-opt the program.
1: Okay. Another problem I have with this is that tier and Becca are freaking out on command deck because Rami's laying basically un- unconscious on the floor, just sputtering out random sentence fragments and mm-hmm. occasionally make sense. Meanwhile, she's using this hologram image to communicate freely and openly with Harper. Why don't you just project yourself up on command and say, hey, you guys, <laughs> I'm good.
0: Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. I thought it was strange.
0: It is. Okay. Not really an explanation for it there. Okay.
1: I didn't think there was. Okay. That's kind of my point. Yeah.
0: Nice catch. I I I totally missed that.
1: One last question I have for you, Ethan. Um, what do you do when you're digesting your food?
0: Sleep? Sleep. Uh, rest. Rest? Yeah.
1: Okay, so that's what you do?
0: Yeah, I just sit on the couch usually.
1: Okay, so you go out, you have lunch, maybe a nice nice big uh, burrito or something. You go out for Mexican food. I know, because I've seen you do it. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and then what do you do? You're making me hungry.
1: Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> then what do you do? You go back to work, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I just you,
0: happen to have a desk job you, where I can you, sit there and digest. It's, it's
1: relatively sedentary. Okay, but but my job... Is, yeah, uh, not is for you. physical labor, right? Yeah. I got to go back to work. I got to keep moving. hmm So is my food not digesting?
0: Uh,
1: probably not as well as it could.
0: Okay. If you were able to, to be, you know, take a siesta or something for a little bit. All
1: right. I was just wondering, because Becca says that uh, she knows that the Cetus is trying to digest them because it stopped moving. Mm-hmm. Okay, it makes sense to me. All right. Well, it didn't make sense to me because I don't stop moving after lunch. Right.
0: But here's the thing, and, and I guess we can't make this the the the, the correlation. Um, ocean creatures like a whale. Okay. Uh, after they eat a, a a belly full of krill, mm-hmm. do they stop moving? I don't know. I don't think they do. Okay. Um, is it whales or sharks that can't stop moving? Oh, it's sharks.
1: Okay. So maybe whales do stop moving. I don't
0: know. Now I'm now I'm completely derailed. What did the whale do on Finding Nemo? That's really the only reference
1: I have for <laughs> whales.
0: We're getting our scientific uh, observations from, from Finding well, Nemo. I learned
1: a lot from that movie. That's where I learned how to speak whale. So Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, good on you. All right, Ryan. Let's get off of that then. Okay. Uh, l- let's talk about the universe. Of, of andromeda right. and what we have learned about it in this particular episode i think there's a lot here actually to to kind of sink our teeth into okay uh we started talking about the cetus yeah and the effect that it had on the planet and i, I think we decided we would just kind of circle back to this and i think this is probably the place to talk about it um so you're uh, you're you're thinking on this as this is a uh a, a cyclical thing due to orbit perhaps
1: that was just a theory I threw out there. You mentioned. I, does I'm it not visit necessarily other planets, saying. Though? Yeah, man. I mean, does it only eat every six thousand two hundred seventy years? Yeah. Uh,
0: the thought that it, when you said that that occurred to me was you remember the <laughs> uh, here again another whale whale story uh, Star Trek Four. Uh-huh. You remember the. <laughs> you remember the probe in Star Trek Four, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, not in the movie. But in later novelization, a, a, a different story, it was learned that that probe made various stops throughout the galaxy. Okay. And I'm just wondering, would would something like the Cetus do something like that? It, it's, it's just making its rounds through the galaxy, and it just so happens that every 6,270 years, it cycles back through this particular part of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, are there other planets out there that are being munched on? It's a good question. It is a good question, but as vast
1: as the Commonwealth and the Vedran Empire was, you would think that they would have encountered this before, oh, that maybe. they would know about it, that that there would be other planets being affected by this, and somebody would have
0: mentioned this. Maybe 9,000, 10,000 years ago before the founding of the Commonwealth. Maybe there was the Great Cetus Hunt. Maybe they were harvested to almost to extinction.
1: Yeah, maybe. I think that would have been before the veteran Empire. We don't really know what's around at that time. True. Yeah.
0: Anyway, in any Mm -hmm. case, kind of an interesting thought. Mm -hmm. And so this brings us to, um, I feel like, a moral question. Dylan wants the thing killed in order to preserve uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh what was the what was the he Took my joke. <laughs> Sorry. So so Dylan wants this thing killed in order to preserve the planet. I was going to say this
1: Andromeda would go very well with the Cabernet Sauvignon.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh we, we can start this over and you can bring it no,
1: up. No, 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 you take it. You take it. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> no, I don't want to do it now. No, no. I don't want to do it now. You've already
1: done it. It's on it's on record. I can cut it.
0: All I have to do is start over no, my sentence no, here. No, no, none
1: of this is getting cut. Go on, go on. Go on with the chlorophyll.
0: <laughs> All right. So anyway, so Dylan wants the, the, the Cetus destroyed in order to preserve the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, was that the last of its kind? Obviously, the galaxies have kind of forgotten about this creature. Yeah. In the fact that it is, one, considered mythological, uh, two... Uh, Andromeda has no record of it, so like you bring out, the Commonwealth had no record of it. Mm -hmm. Was this perhaps the last one of its kind, after some great hunt to extinction that the species had gone through? And now, is Dylan guilty of wiping this species out of the galaxy, of the known universe?
1: Yes. Wow! Mm -hmm.
0: That's... mm.
1: Yeah, and you're dangerously close to making me bring up something that I want to save for the very end. Okay.
0: All right. Well, I won't make you. Okay. So, but that was a thought that that occurred to me when I first watched this episode. Is everybody's happy and dancing at the end of the story? Mm-hmm. Uh, we killed the Cetus. Yay, we slayed the beast. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, <laughs> Mhm. In Star Trek, I feel like this would have been explored. You know, there, there would have been the, the flip side of it. The, the, we had to do it, but we don't feel good about it. Right. Well, if <laughs> and that's not here. And
1: if you're listening to us as we release these alongside with, uh, can I say it?
0: The other podcast? The other podcast. Yeah, you can say uh, it. the other sh- podcast. No, yeah, no, no. The, the other podcast. The other,
1: the other podcast that uh, reviews Star Trek. Okay. Um, yeah because they just covered galaxy's child
0: yes, I know,
1: and yeah which
0: totally coincidence that we're that it it is time that we've timed this out right we didn't time this no, out. no we didn't
1: not on purpose it's, it just it's, it's it just happens that way yeah. um basically, they did the same thing mm-hmm. they killed this giant space living creature um accidentally, yeah, and they were mortified by it. Here we have Dylan, who is just uh, guns blazing. Kill the thing. Cause, yeah. Because it's going to wipe out this planet with some colonists on it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And they're not even an advanced
0: civilization. They still use radio waves <laughs> and combustion engines. Which is something else I feel like we need to talk about. <laughs> okay. First contact situations. All right. Who do you contact? Uh, because this does not seem like a likely candidate, mm-hmm. this 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 cab- Cabernet... Savion. Yeah. Savion. 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 Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody checked. Nobody checked to, to see what the technology level of this place was. Dylan's just like, hey, let's go talk to this backwater world that believes in superstitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're worried about how to get them to, uh, you're, or you're concerned how you're going to uh, eliminate this people's superstitions and long-held tradition or belief, but what are you going to replace it with? (laughs) What's the goal here?
1: How do they even know about what their technological advances are? Don't they have to to check that with their sensors when they get closer to the planet? Which they do. Yeah, and and Dylan almost seems surprised that they sent this transmission on radio waves. Did they not know (laughs) that when they first got them? And then, yeah. and then they start digging up all the other... I think that's probably more for us. Yeah. It's just, okay, yeah, and they're using combustion engines. And, and digital clocks. Yeah. All these people are yeah.
0: are in the Stone Age.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're all the way back in the digital age. This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also kind of wonder, then, to whom are they sending this message? Is this just... A general broadcast message are they actually intending for someone out in space to get this you know we have or is this just kind of like a war of the worlds kind of situation
0: yeah yeah no i very much suddenly the the whole opening sequence for the movie contact is coming to mind okay uh when you're Mm -hmm. panning back from the planet earth yeah and it's just the 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 constant barrage of of media that's emanating from the planet, you know, Mm -hmm. further and further you get away, further back in time you're going. So obviously Andromeda is way, way out there. How long had that broadcast been going on on radio waves?
1: Maybe they were flying right past it.
0: Mm, Well, he's gone three days in the Maru. Okay. I'm thinking maybe they caught that transmission thinking, well, we're, we're quite a ways out. Surely they're advanced enough by now that we can go contact them. That's just a thought that I had. Maybe he's just assuming that they have caught up in the stream of time.
1: They know how fast light travels.
0: I know. They can I know. do the math. I'm grasping at straws All here. Right. All right. <laughs> I'm trying in my mind to make this make more sense because just dropping in on this backwater, uh, I assume nineteenth, twentieth century equivalent to to where mankind was on Earth. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me, mm-hmm. and I know Tier says, "Yeah, Dylan's willing to help anybody whether they can help him or not." But I'm just wondering: did the Commonwealth not have protocols in place for first contact? Was there no prime directive? Obviously not, mm-hmm. because Dylan doesn't seem concerned about it. Um, so how did? Why wasn't Earth contacted now? For you and I sitting here. In the 21st, or beginning part of the 21st century. Why has the Commonwealth not contacted us? Well, we could definitely use their help. <laughs> um, I believe we're waiting on the Perseids, actually. Oh, we are, aren't we? Yeah, they okay. need to
1: sponsor our membership into the Commonwealth. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, just brings up questions about first contact situations. Who do you contact? Who do you let? Just, you know, ride it out. Yeah. Obviously, the situation is a little a little bit different because these people think they're going to die by this horrible space traveling beast, <laughs> and, and, and just how much uh, hubris is Dylan exhibiting in in just flying in and saying, "Hey, this doesn't really exist." Yeah. Let me let me assuage your fears here. Right. Oh uh, wait.
1: <laughs> in
0: hold hold on, I'm getting a message from my from my <laughs> command ship in just a second.
1: Yeah, I have that written down, too. Um, That's another point that I wanted to discuss. But going back to what you were just saying, too, is why are they even there in the first place? Because even if this is just some digital age backwater planet that has no technology worth anything, right? They're apparently not spacefaring. Why do you go there to tell them that this thing is not going to happen? Yeah. Even though it is going to happen. We don't know that yet. Yeah. <laughs> but why do you go there <laughs> to destroy why, why this is myth Dylan, for them?
0: Because apparently this is very much a Dylan thing. Okay. Um, why is Dylan going there to quiet their fears? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I think what, what most anyone would do, the only reason this happened is because... There was a story that had to develop, but what n- what normally should have happened is they're flying through space. They get this transmission: "Help us! Help us!" The Cetus is going to eat our planet. Everyone on the command deck goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on to our next thing. <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Why do you go there? No, I know. I know. Um, I think in any other circumstance that transmission from Savion would be ignored. Yeah. Because it's it, this isn't going to happen. This, this this creature doesn't exist. Except it does. Except that it does, right. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but is the is the universe a better place because Savion is still in existence?
1: I don't know, according to
0: Trance. I and here's the other thought. As they're getting to the planet, the, you know, they're using combustion engines and digital clocks, so they're 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 existing. But what kind of state is their planet in? It's got four huge gouges ripped out of it,
1: right? Yeah, I th- mean that's
0: got to be that's kind of affect the environment or something.
1: Well, it's probably good for economy. I mean, you know how big of an industry is like the Grand Canyon?
0: True. You know, it's strip a big, mining, big tourist man. Fashion. All of the resources are just right laying out oh, there. Probably. I mean, it's
1: it's an archaeologist's paradise. <laughs>
0: They can just see all the layers right there. <laughs> I think it was a little deeper than that, but, uh, you know. Yeah, geologists, definitely. Yeah. They're they are uh-huh. loving that. Yeah. Because you, you're looking basically halfway through the mantle.
1: Was it that deep, really? They were pretty deep. Okay.
0: Maybe not halfway through the mantle. Okay. But, yeah, definitely uh, a lot further than than what we can drill right now.
1: Um. Okay, now, we were starting to get into it before I pulled us back. Yes. But just the crew's total dismissiveness of this entire thing yes they're out in space they see <laughs> crazy stuff all the time that no one's ever seen
0: but a space beast that eats planets come no.
1: on are you kidding me that's dumb let's go tell them it's dumb yes <laughs> and that they're wrong it's not gonna happen meanwhile you guys stay over there and look for the thing that's that not doesn't coming. exist
0: right right um <laughs> but let's like make a good show of this you know,
1: <laughs> there's, just, I don't, yeah, there's a lot of contradiction going on here. We're like, we know that this thing does not exist. How do you know that it does not exist? Yes. Just because it's never been um, mentioned in any of the Commonwealth records, all right, uh, no other records that we know of, does this thing exist, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You know, they
0: should have been, at, Well, well, Hone isn't alive anymore. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, they could have contacted Hone. Yeah. Been like, hey, uh, you got any anything in your archives?
1: <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm surprised. Well, no. Harper wouldn't remember all that stuff. Would. No. No.
0: Do you think Trance knew about it? See. She was kind of cagey. Uh,
1: I kind of think that she didn't know about it, but I'm wondering why she didn't know about it. Yeah. I, I would think that good, she would know about I, I, something I like
0: feel this. like this is a valid question. Okay. And in watching Trance throughout the show, uh, yeah, it just seemed like she was being kind of cagey about the whole situation.
1: Yeah. It, she mentions that um, something about Savion being, uh, maybe they're not anything right now, but maybe they'll be important later. Yeah. She just mentions that real quick. Mm-hmm. And that's all we hear about it. So... If if she thinks that I mean just let's just let's just get on the logic of this here. If she's saying that or she's hinting that Savion is supposed to be important later on, how can it be important later on if the Cetus eats it now? You know what I mean? Are we are we stuck in a paradox here? Because the future that she's from, evidently the Cetus has already eaten Savion. Maybe it ate with Savion with some fava beans. <laughs> I'm nice no, sorry. Right. So then, how would Savion become something important later? Right. Uh, maybe they did save I... it in her alternate life in her alternate future. Maybe they had saved Savion, and that's how she knows that Savion becomes an important
0: or player. Or, or maybe this never came up. But but either way, don't you think
1: that she would know about the Cetus then? Because in her in the other future, she she I I really think that she hints that Savion is supposed to be something important. That's why they need to go and save it. Um,
0: I, I will say this: okay. once she has Dylan convinced that he needs to do everything that he can, yeah, in order to kill the Cetus, uh, whether it's sacrificing the Andromeda or saving the Andromeda and killing the Cetus. It, <clears throat> Once she's, and I, I'm, I'm kind of hazy on on what she's actually the point when it actually happens, but once she has made her point with Dylan, and Dylan has decided, she has kind of a, a that that very much that sit back and grin, mm-hmm. and, and enjoy the fact that she's gotten, she's been able to advance something right. somehow. So yeah. I guess the planet is important for whatever reason. I don't think we'll ever find out. But she's definitely she's been able to pull some strings to adjust this timeline. Mm-hmm. That's that's what came across to me.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah, and that's why I think that either way, even though it it she seems like she's playing it like she doesn't know about the Cetus, but you would think that she would have to. Yeah, uh, just her performance of the whole thing. I, I don't know if we're talking about Trance's performance or Laura Bertram's performance. Either way. I get the impression that she doesn't know what's coming. She doesn't know yeah. about the Cetus. She doesn't – it's a surprise to her when it turns out that this thing is real. I don't know if that's what you got. That's what I got. But I don't understand logically how that can be the case. It seems like it, that if, if she thinks that Savion is supposed to be something important, which she indicates, how could that be if the Cetus ate it? So she has to know about the Cetus.
0: And yet, how important is it? How important is it in this timeline?
1: I guess we'll find out later or we'll never find out later
0: it, the the only mm. thing well okay we're getting <laughs> we're getting further into our discussion all right so that's some of the things we learned about the universe okay. that we're in um in, in general though or 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 what do you take away from this episode
1: well i mean we we get a little bit into uh trance's character about uh, uh the alternate future that mm-hmm. she's from. And we find out that only she and Becca survive. Yeah.
0: What was the comment that she makes right at the end? Dylan says something, and I forget what Dylan says, but her comment is kind of chilling. Sooner than you think.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he Dylan says, you know, I'm glad to see that you guys are all here to carry on what I've started. That's right. Because I might not always be here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then that that was her comment sooner than you think. Right. So we're definitely building to something. It it really does seem rather omni mean, um, it really
1: does seem rather ominous, doesn't it? Omni, that was a great magazine back <laughs> in the day. My, we used to have a Dodge Omni. <laughs> Did you?
0: <laughs> I had a Dodge Omni. Did you? Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Hatchback?
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Um it I mean it, it seems kinda of scary, almost as if she's saying that something is going to happen Dylan happen, something's going to happen to Dylan soon. Yes. But how can that happen? Because he's a show. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, essentially, Dylan is the show. And Andromeda well, because, you know, it's now, the
0: name. Well, now, of here's something we learn about the, uh, our characters. Okay. Uh, all of this came down to them asking, what would Dylan do? Dylan trying to find out what's going to happen if I die. And at the end, we we have that warm and fuzzy feeling because Dylan knows, and says so in his inspiring speech that Harper missed, uh, uh, he knows that if he dies, the crew will carry on in his absence. Right. So a show could continue on without Kevin Sorbo in, on camera. Mm. <laughs> you don't think so? Well... In
1: universe, yes. Yes. In production,
0: no. No, I I, I um, get that, yes.
1: But, you know, I also wonder, maybe Trance is just thinking, this other future that she came from, evidently Dylan didn't make it. Right. That's the future she knows. As much as she's trying to, sh- to change things, that's, maybe she's anticipating still that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Even though she's trying to change it. Yeah, but she knows that there's this thing that happened that Dylan didn't make it. Mm -hmm. She's looking to that. That's what's already happened. Maybe. So maybe she's just going off of that. Okay. yeah, yeah. Sooner than you think, because I've seen you die.
0: Well, Okay. so she says sooner than you think. So you, you get the impression that she knows where she's at in the stream of time. So she has to have known about the Cetus. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was your whole point, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, you, I'm just not catching up. Are you there? I'm just oh, not catching up. Hi, Ethan. Hi. How are you doing? Hi, Ryan. How are you I say, doing? Yeah, I'm with you now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day, folks. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, yeah, we learned that. Um, I thought it was really interesting editing in this episode because okay. in the last 15 minutes or so, we get to... We, We see a lot of cuts between the crew in different places, in in different locations, right? And it very much felt like they were starting with one sentence and expressing a thought. And then you would instantly cut to another uh, set of characters in a different location. And they were finishing that thought. That was being yeah, expressed. I thought right. that was really good editing, the way they did that. And it actually showed how the crew has come together kind of in a unity of Almost mind. Almost so they like they could finish each other's sentences. Was that not what you were going to say? I was going to think sandwiches. Yeah. Oh, no. I wouldn't I, think I sandwiches. I have little girls.
1: <laughs> I, we watch Frozen
0: a lot. Oh, yes. Sorry, I missed that cue. Um, in any case, I, I did like the way they depicted the crew and their unity of mind. Right. And being on the same page mm-hmm. as, as Becca, or on the same side, is mm-hmm. what Becca says about Tear, which I thought we'd already established they were on the same side. But I
1: think they did. I think Becca was just reaffirming that she's glad they're on the same side. Yeah.
0: And yet, did Tears' expression of faith in Dylan, did that not seem just a little out of place? This seems like, yes. a, it seems sudden. Yeah. yeah it, seems, it seems kind of sudden.
1: I, yeah, I think... Any other episode, here is going to say, let's just assume Dylan is dead and let's figure <laughs> out what we got to do to save ourselves. Yeah. Um, really, he's saying, let's figure out what we got to do to save me.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, you're right. It was a bit out of place and I'm not exactly sure if we have precedent for that. I mean, we have seen changes in Tier as far as not always being so extremely self-consumed. But there is absolutely nothing to indicate that Dylan's still alive. Right. you, you Normally that would be a situation. Uh, of
0: course, they're all basing it on the fact that the, the ship sensors are saying that there was an explosion roughly equivalent to the fuel capacity of the Maru. Right. Why did no one assume, well, perhaps Dylan just cut the AP tanks loose? trying to blow the thing up. Why was that never a thought? Dylan thought of it. He's not an engineer. Yeah. I don't know. I it's wouldn't just, have thought of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it just seemed odd that they were all having this crisis. It, it, Becca is always the one that that sets her mind to something. Mm-hmm. And, and initially, yeah, Dylan's going to come through for them. I, I'm just... It seemed a little odd... Tear's expression of faith, but then to have Becca completely on the other opposite side of the coin, having a crisis of faith, Uh, it seemed for the two of them kind of odd for them to switch roles the way they did.
1: Yeah, I thought they were going to have a moment Um, there when they're they're having this big confrontation. Tear finally settles Becca down. And then he goes, he puts his arm around her. Mm-hmm. I seriously, honestly thought that he was going to pull her in for a hug. And I was like, wow, this is so not tear." Yeah. But instead, he just actually just is pulling her to then push her out of the way <laughs> so he can take the
0: controls. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, that's tear. That's tear.
1: There he yeah. is. There he is. All this other stuff doesn't make sense, but there's tier. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, yeah, in the end, it was great to see the whole crew unified. Mm-hmm. Unity of purpose, unity of mind. Great. Yeah. And yet, it's not perfect. And, and maybe it's not supposed to be. But it, it, it just...
1: Well, it's not like they were all... The, the, in- the roles
0: were, were kind of reversed, though, and that kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop.
1: Well, it's not like they were all... In on the same page in the same mind through the whole thing. I mean, no. I mean, look, Harper definitely. Um, he was not on the same page as everybody. No, he had to be talked into this, and it, and it, it wasn't
0: even for the for the the purpose of do this for Dylan. It yeah. was do this for Rami.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and really, all of them had to be talked into a certain aspect of it. Becca had her deal where she. Um, she was convinced that Dylan was dead. Tyr had to talk her out of that. Tyr wanted to just do whatever they needed to do to save themselves, because he knew that Dylan was fine, supposedly. Becca had to talk him into, no, let's do the thing that Dylan wants us to do. So, none of them really were in agreement with each other to begin with. It was something that they all had to eventually get to by the end of the 42 minutes. Yeah. And then they got there. Mm -hmm. And it's just very good that they had enough time to do that.
0: I believe we did have a quote at the beginning of this one.
1: Uh, You know what? Strangely enough, this episode did have a quote at the beginning of it. Why don't you lay that on us? Beneath knowing, understanding. Beneath understanding, seeing. Beneath seeing, recognizing. Beneath recognizing,
0: knowing. Completely circular reasoning.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> guess it is, huh? You know what this
0: remi- that reminded me of? What's that? You, you know the, the movie Mystery Men? No? Oh, the, the movie Mystery Men. There's a particular character. It's about comic book characters, but it's all like the, the really lame comic book characters. And I think it actually was a comic back in the 90s. But in any case, so they made this movie. Um... It it had, you know, Ben Stiller.
1: Yeah, I I, I remember it. Oh, oh, you do. Well, I mean. You just don't remember remember the reference that I'm coming at here. I saw it. I don't remember it. Can I put it that way? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. The Sphinx was one of the characters. And he was this sage character, you know, where, where they look to for advice. But about halfway through, Ben Stiller gets very disillusioned with the group, with them as heroes, and particularly with Sphinx. Because Sphinx is very spouting off all of this Yoda esque, very circular reasoning, and everybody else is nodding their head and being like, "Yeah, that's deep." And Ben Stiller is just like, "You know, you're just repeating yourself." (laughs) And I feel like that's what a lot of what this quote does. You know, it's it's just a a nice circle um, that you know, it uh, yeah, it's it's there are there is some profoundness to it but I really don't see how it affects this episode. (laughs) Okay.
1: All right. Well, I think it kind of has a little bit to do with, uh, I think it applies to the people we see and to the people we don't see. Um, I think there's a little bit of meaning here for the people on the planet. Um, There's this knowing and there's this understanding because there's this seeing. They've seen all the destruction that's happened to their planet. And they know the pattern. This happens every 6,270 years. And so they recognize that danger. And because they recognize it, they know what's going to happen next. So, I mean, I, I can, I can kind of see how the whole thing works for them. It's, it's, it is circular because it is a cycle. Yeah. Right? Um, and I think for the crew... I think they this doesn't happen for them at the beginning of the episode, but it does later when they actually discover that this thing is real um they don't they don't recognize it because they don't know it. They don't see it because they don't understand it. they don't understand it because they don't know it, and they don't know it because they don't recognize it. Finally, they recognize it, right?
0: So then, there's no knowing, there's no understanding. They just blow it up and move on to the next planet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But they do, now by the end of this, they know that the thing exists. Okay. They recognize that it exists. We'll just
0: have to wait and see if they've learned from the experience.
1: Because they have seen it. Yeah. Right? That's part of the quote. They see it. So then they recognize it; they know it.
0: So, so if we have another episode in the next three seasons, yeah, in which they at any point say that can't happen, <laughs> we know that, that that quote means absolutely nothing to okay. them, and they didn't episode. learn anything.
1: <laughs> and it's just for the people down on Savignon, Savignon. Okay,
0: <laughs> Yeah, Savignon.
1: Do you want to open a bottle of wine? I really do. All right, let's I've been do it. craving
0: it for the last forty-five All right. minutes.
1: Let's grill up some steaks and have some sauvignon. There you go.
0: <laughs> oh, good stuff. Well, Ryan, what did you think about the episode, though?
1: You know what? Do you remember when we began this episode and I and I mentioned that uh, my grandpa was not the only one guilty of plagiarism? Yes. Okay. Well, I just want to say about this episode... I think I liked it better the first time I saw it Mm -hmm. when it was called One of Our Planets is Missing. (laughs) And in case you don't know, that is from the first season of Star Trek The Animated Series.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. I mentioned earlier that you were dangerously close to making me say something that I wanted to save to the end.
0: And you're ready. And
1: I'm ready to say it now. In that episode, what they did was... um, we th- it was this giant space monster that was eating planets, right? And Spock... Oh, it swallowed them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Does this sound familiar at all? Hey, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so right. far. Yeah. Um, well, then what they do is Spock is able to somehow mind meld with this creature and show it that they are intelligent beings. And the planets that it is eating are inhabited by intelligent beings. It recognizes this, shows remorse, lets them go, and leaves the galaxy mm-hmm. to feed elsewhere. Yeah. That's a very, very Star Trek way of handling this situation. <laughs> right. Then they blow it up an <laughs> <in> Andromeda. <laughs> yeah. This thing is bad news. It's got to go. Granted, they didn't have a Vulcan. True. That could
0: mind meld with True. it. But But here here you're talking about this, and I can't help but think how different this episode would have been. And I understand we're beating a dead horse. But what if Rev Bim had been there? Mm -hmm. Now you would have had the opportunity for for some perspective. Instead of action and and only reaction out of the crew, uh, and this, this overwhelming need to blow this thing up so that a planet is saved mm-hmm. I feel like if you'd have had a character like Rev Bim there that is more in tune with the li- you know living things mm-hmm. whether it's sentient or not uh, I I've, I really feel like there could have been more of a um, exploration of, uh, uh, of the morality mm-hmm. of what they're trying to do and and that feels like something that is now just it's missing yeah
1: yeah, well, and I kind of feel like a lot of times Trance is the one that has taken the place of Rev Bim when it comes to those kind of things, mm-hmm. but Trance is on the Maru with Dylan. Yeah. She's not with the rest of the crew. Maybe if they had taken somebody else and put them with Dylan, and then Trance could be there, and she could be the one that kind of figures out some way to come to some reconciliation with this creature.
0: Yeah. The problem with that, though, is that trance has such an agenda at play behind the scenes that it's hard to really take anything that she says without a little skepticism. You know,
1: you mean for us or for the crew?
0: For both, okay. I I, I really do feel that way. We as the, as as the 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 observer, as the audience, everything that she says now is under a microscope. Yeah, and for the crew. It is also because they don't know they're they're just now getting to the point where they're becoming comfortable with the gold skin, mm-hmm. and, and much like you know they and they understand that she's more than what she has let on, and so yeah. when you try to to uh, wax poetic or be philosophical, if she tries to to do that, I don't know that the crew is really at this point ready and willing to accept what she has to say.
1: I'd say probably the only one that is is Dylan. Yeah. Um. Even at this point, pretty much anything Trance says, he might question her about it later, mm-hmm. but he pretty much just goes with it. Yeah. Whatever Trance says is golden. Yeah. Pun intended. <laughs> so, but that's why, maybe that's why she's with Dylan. Because if she's on the Andromeda with the rest of the crew, Def maybe ears. they're not, yeah, yeah. It's not as willing and ready to listen. Okay. I I would think Becca would be.
0: More so than the rest. Yeah. Because I mean, at least she knows she gets to live right, <laughs> that's cool, yeah, yeah, she loses an eye, but whatever, eh, whatever <clears throat> patches are cool yeah.
1: are but i I guess to answer your question though, um what do I think of the episode? Uh, not much, um it wasn't it wasn't a terrible episode, you know, it's not like one that I think that is just wow, this is a bad episode, and it makes the whole series of Andromeda look bad, like some that we have seen. We poked on a few little inaccuracies, but it was mainly jokes. Yeah. There Mm. really wasn't anything in in here that I thought, that just does not make any sense at all, that is terrible, that ruins this episode. Um, But yeah, there are just some of these little issues here, like, they killed this living thing, and and that's it. Yeah. Um, they're, it's a brand new thing that they've never seen before, and they just go right after it and kill it. Mm-hmm. Now, they say, Becca says at the beginning that Dylan always says, communicate first, kill later. I don't think they tried very hard to communicate. <laughs> right. I mean, their their method of communication was fire warning shots.
0: <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah.
1: That's how we communicate.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and that whole sequence, oh, I shake my head. Because uh, fire warning shot, and, and then Becca's response after making the command decision to fire a warning shot, hope it doesn't get aggressive. <laughs> Let's just do this and hope it's understanding. Right. You know, I... Yeah. All right. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm bulldozing.
1: <clears throat> that's okay. I think I've, I've pretty much, okay. I've pretty much said it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a horrible, terrible episode, but I just, I, I've already seen it in animated form and I didn't have much for it then. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. I didn't make the animated series correlation. Okay. But I'm glad, I'm glad you did. Okay. Cause I had forgotten that. Uh, and, and yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, my feelings on this episode were it felt like the crew did a lot of soul searching for no real reason. And we've already kind of gone over this, haven't we? We've established that the crew is on is unified.
1: Yeah, but we need to, to see an it extent. again. Yeah.
0: Okay. We did need to see it again. And we did. Um, My thought on this is it is a terrible episode. Okay. And, and I didn't think so when I first saw it. But then you mentioned the other podcast and galaxy's child yeah and they made they made some excellent points on that podcast that i, I feel like are very relevant for this episode that we're oh, discussing here.
1: absolutely yeah
0: and in that context i've been holding back to not talk about that episode <laughs> of star trek right right yeah um yeah there are some and, and i brought them up in, in discussion there are some huge moral issues here and i know this isn't star trek But these are human beings. Mm -hmm. And there are no, there isn't, there is not really any moral compunction there to check yourself or to try and communicate, Uh, try try to explore every option before going the nuclear one. Right. And, And it's not happening. And I understand that that's the direction they want to go with the show. It's action. It's, it's, you know. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. it's what it is i don't like it in this episode and i don't think it plays very well mm-hmm. and so great visual effects and we were talking you've got it up on the screen the the, the creature yeah. here we we're looking there at that is. looks looks great yeah. i mean and and some of the yeah the aspect or the, the scale was perhaps off in a few of the sequences sometimes yeah yeah <laughs> but uh all in all, it visually, it, it plays out very well. And I think it's a great episode to watch yeah. for the visual. I think it time.
1: looks a lot better than the giant celestial jellyfish.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: That you may have seen some or, places. Or,
0: or the giant flying flatworm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So definitely something different. I, I think we got something really cool, but then we just end up killing it. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know that that's absolutely what had to be done. Right. Um, it's like Cecil the Lion, and, and, the, and the thing is, is is we didn't get a whole lot. We, we we threw a lot of information out there. It comes through every how how many six thousand two hundred seventy years. Yeah, mm-hmm. why? Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get to explore that, right? Why is this happening to this planet? <laughs>
1: right. We
0: never figured that out. What happens to the Savion's now? Uh, Sa- Savionians, seven <laughs> seven Sa- 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 what? Savionis, Savionis, what happens to these people? Are w- presumably we're never going to visit this planet again? Yeah. Do they know
1: that someone saved them? Yeah. I, or is just like, oh no, is, is here the it cycle comes. of death, is, and is then that- it's gone. Maybe there's been a whole religion built around this. Everyone is waiting for this prophecy to come. It doesn't happen. Now this whole society is just overturned. Right.
0: Appa- apparently, they knew that this next visit was going to destroy the planet. What happens if the whole religion that comes out of this is, like, like some of the cults through <laughs> throughout the past decades, a mass suicide takes place yeah. and the whole the whole race dies the day before it's supposed to be the wow. planet's supposed to be destroyed? They all die Wouldn't anyway. That be sad,
1: right? Because they didn't make contact, did they?
0: No, they didn't. Yeah. All right. So there's all these unanswered questions that. Yeah, it wasn't important for this particular story for them to be answered, but we're used to a type of storytelling in which these questions would have been addressed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've been willing to let it go in a lot of other episodes because hmm, it was entertaining enough here. Wow. I, I have a, this is this was kind of a bitter pill to swallow for me mm-hmm. this episode. and And I don't I don't like it.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: That's how I feel about it. Well, I can't argue with you. Okay. Well, if anyone would like to argue with us... Oh, I'm sure someone would. We would love to hear from you. And you can do so by sending us an email. And You can send that email to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com.
1: We're also on the social media, Facebook, and Twitter using the handle at AndromedaPod. You can contact us and follow us on both of those places. Our home is on Podbeam www.andromeda-series.podbean.com. We have every episode that we have ever done stored right there.
0: And if you listen to us on iTunes, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe, give us a review, leave us some stars. We'd appreciate that.
1: You can also leave us a tip on our Podbean site. We have a tip jar that is set up there. We appreciate those who have uh, made their donations to us. We Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson, who... Uh, Lent us his voice for the opening quote at the beginning of this episode. We are an Age of Geek production, www.ageofgeek.com, where they are constantly rolling out incredible new episodes, almost
0: daily, That is no
1: sign of any stopping.
0: That is a lie, sir.
1: And we hope that you will join us back here again next time as we look at the episode The Night, Death, and the Devil. Off record, i got to tell you the story since you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm camping with my brother and my dad, my uncle, and my cousins in Colorado. And my uncle has his has his boots up on the fire, just like you were just describing. And my cousin says to him, Hey, Dad, your boot's melting. And I said, No, nah, it's fine. I'm like, no, Dad, really, your boot's on fire. No, nah, it's fine. A third time, he tells him, Dad... Your boot is melting. Nah, it's fine. And then he goes, he wants to show everybody. He's fine. He reaches down and he grabs the sole of his boot. And he screams, ah, my boot's on fire. (laughs) I must have been like seven years old. To this day, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. It made an impression. Oh, yeah. It it left a (laughs) scar on the palm of his hand.